0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you, worship team. Thank you to those who've uh, yeah, just led us so well. We appreciate you guys so much. And then thank you to those who prayed with us as a leadership. Some were even able to meet with us, some able to fast in some way and just helping us give special attention to the Lord and to what he is doing. And especially praying through the shape of ministry in the next six months that lie ahead. Um, We recognize that whatever we do in seeking the shape of ministry um, there isn't one way in which this is simply going to deliver for everyone what is felt need and um, whether we begin to meet together some people will be excluded. Right now, virtual church is not an inclusive experience for many. And and our experience differs uh, vastly according to our different situations. And so, um, for example, parents with little children do well just to get to online church, let alone finish at the same time as the rest of us. Heard of one worship leader who is used to going to church leading worship being involved there but has little kids asking the question does it take other people two and a half hours to finish a one hour service um and uh and, and that is just the challenge thank you also for those who filled in some of the questionnaires um and uh that was helpful some of it idealistic maybe um Yes, we'd all love to reimagine house churches if it were the Book of Acts, um, but quite frankly, right now we're not even allowed to open our homes to one another. And so, whatever shape we find, we want to honour the law, um, which means that right now for us, any kind of free and open gathering is very restricted in in many ways. Uh, although when we met together, we got a real sense that it can be done and won't be the same. It's not like what we're going forward to, but it can definitely meet a need for some. Uh, we recognize we can't open our homes. We can't share meals. We can't get close. We can't lay hands in ministry. We can invite the Holy Spirit to come, but there are things we can and things we can't do. And so we have to press into being much more intentional to be together in one mind and in one spirit and we have to acknowledge that it's hard that we've lost a lot and it's important to say so because we don't want you to end up wondering what's wrong with me why am i finding this so tough it seems everyone else is fine it we're all having to work really hard so thank you for praying for us but because we're having to work hard we're also realizing that we need to really focus. We need to identify ways in which hard work can actually produce really good fruit. And so some of the ideas were, we, we, we can, for example, restart a church combi ministry and drive around together in a taxi, squeeze your whole life group in, and cover the peninsula for the morning. You know, apparently that's legal, but we won't go there. No, seriously, we can, um, we can use and we are permitted to use our buildings for ministry and for worship. And this will overwhelmingly be in small groups where wise and appropriate. And, and, and over, over the next couple of weeks and months, we will give priority to where we see this is needed the most. What kinds of grouping and, and people uh, that can benefit from it. People who are most excluded at the moment. People who are finding us... A tough space and then gradually um, we will see what we can find there we really do want to maximize online ministry this is the platform that we, we we can go for now that means that for many of us we may need to regulate our online exposure for things like recreation and so on as much as we possibly can so that we can have a, kind of reserve online capacity that can be given then to giving ministry and receiving ministry. And don't so don't let ministry be the runt of the online litter, uh, where it kind of has to suck on the leftovers all the time. No, we we, we we really do want to say we can use online. We can pray online, we can share online, we can support one another. And yes, it is different and a lot is missing. But um, this forum of being online will probably be our most significant forum of being church still for the next six months or so. The other thing we can do together is we can enter the outdoors together. We're permitted to exercise, to walk, climb mountains, and we can do so in, in smaller groups. and and just being intentional in some of those moments as appropriate to turn them into moments of mission moments of reaching others moments of ministry moments of worship and then of course we can share meals or do coffee at a restaurant i know this can't be the only thing we do and it does have cost implications but it may be worth saving for and bringing together a few friends for mission and ministry Um, And I know it does seem crazy, but let's have compassion on the people who are having to try and work out how we respond. And so let's just look at what we can do. And of course what we can do is we can pray together in any of the above and for any of the above. And one of the special areas of prayer we wanna urge you is, is our children and young people and young families, please pray with us as we look at ways as we can, move that forward in ministry. So I thought I'd just give you a little bit of a a feedback as to some of the thoughts we have. um, And uh, we're going to be testing the waters as we go and uh, seeing what next steps we can take. And we'll obviously keep you up to speed as we do so. So into our sermon this morning, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to go to the end of the chapter, which is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. kingdom uh teaching of jesus and uh and we're going to start there in a moment matthew chapter 7. but on wednesday afternoon a friend and i took a slow ride on the atlantic seaboard and uh, the beautiful crisp cold clear day belied the damage and the disruption we saw all along the coastline the aftermath of Monday's storm saw rocks and sand on the roads and there was kelp and other forms of sea life on the mountainside of the road and uh, pretty much everything that wasn't anchored and fastened down had been crushed broken carried away and undermined Now, some others got the joy, of course, of climbing mountains and seeing things there that they'd never seen before, like snow or waterfalls in unheard of places. But for many, the drama of the storm was far closer to home, as they worried that their very homes would not stand the force of the storm. Um, And apparently this is not just for the poor. I read an article this morning of luxury homes with million-dollar views, in New South Wales, Australia, that have had to be abandoned because their foundations have not withstood the storms of this past week. See, the truth is, no matter how expensive you buy or carefully you build, if the foundation is not secure, it's not going to stand. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 7 starting at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain came down the storms rose the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash now jesus presupposes several things in the composition of this parable The first thing he presupposes is that we're all building something with our lives. Every day, each one of us is accumulating building materials and constructing something that, believe it or not, needs to last forever. And whether we like it or not, what we build with our lives, our loves, our families, our marriages, our vocations, our communities, That will be our legacy, but it will also be what is looked at to test where our faith has been for eternity. You see, we're not just building something in this life for this life. We're building something in this life for all eternity. Jesus sees our life as a temporary assignment of eternal significance and he constantly referenced this life in the light of the age to come and the life beyond life so you and I we're building something with our lives and obviously the sooner we realize it and take the construction work seriously the better it's gonna be every day as it were is is like a brick And I I can take the brick and I can discard it and treat it carelessly, or I can take that brick and I can lay it down as part of a meaningful construction. We're all building something with our lives. That's what Jesus presupposes. The second thing he presupposes is that we all have to identify our foundation. Our foundation is the basis, the groundwork of anything. Whether it's a moral foundation in society, whether it's the foundation of a religion or faith, or else it's just the natural ground or the base on which some structure rests. but we we put things on stuff and that thing, where we place it is known as its foundation. And the question is, so if I'm accumulating a life, what am I building it on? I have to identify my foundation. Which means that if, if in the eyes of Jesus I begin to become aware that this life leads into another life, in a sense, and, and, and that future is going to be determined by my foundation, I need to look down before I look up. I, I want to look into that future, but what I need to look at is what am I building on right now? There it is maybe an amazing thing that's counterintuitive, but is a deep part of this time during the pandemic. Many people are realizing with a fresh conviction that they want strong foundations. Faith is not just trending Faith is being dug back into the foundations of many people. Many people watching the walls and the infrastructure of their lives taking strain. Many people realizing that wall won't stand. I need a foundation. And I might have to actually let that wall fall right over and then go below the surface of things in my life to find out what I truly believe. And the reality is many people are not losing faith during this time. They're they discovering it. They're rediscovering it. they they totally getting Jesus' point in this parable. That no matter how beautiful, expensive, or elaborate the building material or the superstructure is, if my foundations are poor, I'm being really unwise. You see, the foundation matters because the time of testing will come. That's the other thing Jesus presupposes. The time of testing will come. You're not going to get through life without storms. My foundations will be tested. Sometimes they will even be laid bare. Whether by the storms of this life or by the assessment of Jesus and his judgment in the life that follows this one. And here's the thing in this storm appearances don't count foundations do and so it's actually a kindness from god to permit storms that that lay bare our foundations it's it's a gift to us if in this life god causes me to see my dumb foundations my lack thereof my weak foundations And maybe even cause those things to collapse in this life. So that I might look down and take my foundations seriously. I look down. When I look down, I realize I really want to look up. And if I'm going to look up, I need to take that and put my foundations in place in a way that is going to last. I've been talking to someone from Explore this week who was telling me, Strangely enough, what a blessing this time uh, has been of lockdown. This got my attention, I think, obviously, because a lot of my work has been helping many of us recognize the grief and the loss that we're experiencing. We're, we're helping people understand, name, identify, process, and integrate and reposition Uh, when you look at what the COVID storm is taking from us. But there was someone telling me how much the COVID storm was giving to them. Now, this is not laying a guilt trip on, on, on the rest of us who found it very tough. Their personal situation is such that they're not facing, for example, extra workload. Some of us are facing reduced income and much more workload. They're not facing a loss of income. But I also know that their life has not been a cakewalk, a breeze, and it certainly isn't that now. And so what became unmistakably evident to me as I listened to, as they spoke of the things they appreciated, that over the years leading up to this, they have done the hard work of relaying the foundations of their life. And their foundation is built on hearing and doing the words of Jesus. And now in this storm, instead of insecurity, is deep trust. Instead of fear, is compassion and concern for others. And instead of isolation and loneliness, and this is someone who doesn't get to see people every day, a contented spirit. for some of us it might just be human nature. When our foundations are shown to be cracking and weak and dodgy, we still tend to blame the severity of the storm instead of examine the foundations. I think it's just human nature. Jesus wants us to realize it doesn't work to blame the severity of the storm. Man, there was one heck of a storm that came at us. No wonder your house fell down. And then Jesus asked the question why are there people whose houses are still standing? Why are there people whose lives are still meaningful? Why are there people whose faith is still strong? You see, in the storm, appearances don't count, foundations do it's no good blaming the severity of the storm. It's time to examine the integrity of the foundation. And then Jesus makes the direct point in this parable that the words of Jesus are the only certain foundation upon which to build a secure life, a life that will endure this life and the next. You see, the words of Jesus have literally made history. They're not just recorded in history, they have shaped history. Jesus' words exert, and his teaching and his life exert so much power as to change the shape of history. History is built differently because of this man and his words. A famous author, historian and novelist, H.G. Wells, who uh, wrote a a prominent book, The Outline of History, uh, he says this: the historian's test of an individual's greatness is, what did he leave to grow? What did he help men think about in terms of new ideas with a vigor that persisted after he was gone? And he says, by this test, Jesus stands first. Another author, world-renowned historian and philosopher, Will Durant, who. Uh, who passed away in the 1980s, and who also won the Pulitzer Prize, was best known for um, an 11-volume series called The Story of Civilization. It took him about 35 years to write it. And his observation in one of his uh, books is what happened in Rome during the first two centuries um, of the Christian faith. And he says it's quite astonishing and there's a brief summary by a man called richard simmons he says there's no greater drama in the human record than the sight of a few christians scorned and oppressed by a succession of empire uh, emperors bearing all trials with fierce tenacity multiplying quietly building order while their enemies generated chaos fighting the sword with the word, brutality with hope, and at last defeating the strongest state that history has known. Caesar and Christ met in the arena and Christ won. Durant himself, out of the summary, goes on to say, just thinking back of the actual history and the impact of the life and the Words of Jesus, anyone who hears these words of mine, Durant himself, not a Christian, goes on to say that a few, that, he says this, quote, that a few simple men should appear in one generation and have invented so powerful and appealing a personality, so lofty an ethic, so inspiring a vision of human brotherhood, would be a miracle far more incredible than any recorded in the gospels it takes a bit of thinking but he's saying it would be a much bigger miracle to invent jesus than to accept the miracles of jesus just looking at his impact on history jesus's words are not just recorded in history jesus's words have shaped history And so the statement of Jesus is that the only secure foundation on which to build a life is on his words. However, both H.G. Wells and Will Durant tragically missed the point. You see, they, they saw Jesus. They studied Jesus. They even noted the seismic, unique impact of his life and his words. That they don't do what he says. Neither of them were Jesus' followers. You see, everything that I've said before is presupposing this parable in a journey towards its main, main point. And the punchline of this parable is unmistakably this you only build on a secure foundation by doing the words of Jesus. You've got to decide that you're in, that you're up for it. And my life and your life is in danger until we start obeying him and putting his teaching into practice in our lives. And if we're going to do this, we're going to have to trust him. You see, we, 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 you, you don't obey someone you don't trust. You, you hold back. And as you look at the life of Jesus and who he is and what he did, let your life, let your heart trust him. You see, you have to, in his words, believe in him to follow him. And so he said on the night before he would die for your sins and mine, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, John 14, are many rooms. And I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. And he's saying to you, trust in God. Trust in me. These are the words of Jesus. You see, Jesus is very clear back in our parable that both the wise and the foolish heard him. But the wise do what he says and learn out of that place of trust and faith to put his words into practice. The foolish listen, the foolish admire, the foolish maybe even get entertained, but they fail to act. You see, not only must God's word be heard, studied, internalized, memorized, it must be obeyed. We've got to do it. Of course, jesus explains in matthew 13 that that our insight into the word is incremental it gets stronger and stronger and we will gain more revelation more insight when we begin to put into practice what has already been given so so the warning is don't just listen trust him enough to do his words So there is a clear warning, a sharp warning, but this parable is also an invitation, it's a warning and it's an invitation, it's bringing together the Sermon on the Mount, and the invitation is that we can take his words and do them and what we build will endure. And i think right now this is really helpful these these have been tough times not just the storm but then the the heartbreaking trauma of the black lives matter movement flagging for us something that's so so obvious and yet has been left so unattended but out of this and it doesn't matter which color you are most of us are emotionally very tired Someone wrote to me a couple of weeks ago, and they said this about what they're seeing around them. They said, the drain on resources, mental, physical, and emotional is very evident. People all around me are having to be brave in many situations and to confront many challenges. Just normal tasks of day-to-day life are more tiring. So the need for vigilance is relentless. And the bombardment of information and online communications seems to be boundaryless. The invitation of Jesus is that we can come to him, hear him, hear his invitation. Yes, we must hear his warning. Yes, we need to look at the foundation. But if we will choose that foundation of hearing and putting into practice, hearing and doing, Jesus says, I will give you a life that will withstand the storms. Jesus offers himself in his words as a promise to us as a comfort to us, as a strength, as a resilience, as a foundation. And he's saying, I know that everything that seems to be able to shake might be shaking, but come to me. Trust me. Follow me. You can do what I say. I won't let you down. Build your life on my words. It won't fall and it won't fail. Jesus is not promising us a life without storms, but he is promising us a faith that can withstand them. And so the message paraphrases Jesus' words beautifully from Matthew chapter 11, the very end. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. But keep company with me. And you'll learn how to live freely. How to live lightly. And So as we come to Jesus, I want to invite you To look down look at the foundations look at that which is to hold your life one of the ways you can know the foundations are okay is when you look at the walls and they're not cracking when you look for compassion and it's still intact when the enemy wants to bring fear you don't give in to his motivations and so the question is as I look down what are the foundations looking like? Jesus invites you to a life of close companionship with him in which he teaches you to lay foundations that will withstand storms of life so Lord Jesus we come to you we come to you acknowledging that there's just no one like you no one remotely with your impact on the world no one who has laid down his life in love for his friends And in that act, atoning for their sin. We do know that people have died for others, but no one could die for others and deal with the things that would destroy them. And the sin that could rob them of eternal life. So maybe today you're needing to remind yourself That in the midst of this, you you are grateful that Jesus is giving to you a foundation. In his words, you're grateful for the warning and you're grateful for the invitation. So today becomes an opportunity to choose Jesus. To make him again Or even for the first time the object of your faith and the foundation of your life and if you want to do that I want to invite you to pray with me this prayer becomes the first step in a journey of growth learning to produce what the Bible calls the fruit of repentance it's not the end but it is a glorious beginning. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for who you are and for all that you have done. Thank you that you chose in love to go to the cross for my sake, pay the price for my sin, So that you could go ahead of me and prepare a place for me. So that you could give me a life on this earth that follows your word and that endures. And I put my trust in you and I receive from you the gift of life. Life for this life and the next. And I ask you to send your Holy Spirit to me now to teach and train me to live as someone who does your word. I ask this in your name. Amen. I'd love to chat with you. I'm going to be having a Zoom meeting and if you've maybe prayed that prayer or would like to chat a bit more, um, please look out on the WhatsApp group for uh, the Zoom chat. I know some of the life groups are also going to be chatting. Um, and so pick up on the Zoom meetings. And uh, if you just want to pop in and also say hi on the Zoom meeting, you're welcome to do that. Thanks everyone. And may the Lord bless you and may you really have A great day in which the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you.